You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, a faith community that welcomes, affirms, and protects the light in each human heart, listens deeply to where love is calling us next, and with humility, courage, and compassion, works to create a more just world. To learn more, visit us at firstuniversalistchurch.org. at the same time. It's an entirely different part. When we start, we'll start with open the window, children, and we'll sing through the whole chorus. As soon as we finish the chorus, you start. Right? I'll sing the verse to you, and you'll be the rhythm to me. And together, we I don't, I, I don't have any more rhyming words. Okay, here we go. Open. Open the window, children. Open, open 
Let it be known, and let it be remembered to all who encounter us that the last word we said together on the edge of the past we now leave, that the first word we said together on the cusp of the future that now greets us, that that word was love. Will you join me in speaking the covenant words we hold together? Love is the spirit of this church. 
This is our great covenant. Dwell together in peace. The symbol of the chalice cup with the flame was designed for the Unitarian Service Committee in World War II. It was designed by a man named Hans Deutsch, and it was meant to be a symbol that could be placed in the windows of the service committee so that when people passed by it, if they were looking for refuge, they would know that they might find sanctuary inside the walls. In the same spirit, we light a chalice cup with a flame. We seek not only to have, but to create a space of warmth and welcome for each other. Let's do so with gladness, with good intention, and always in love. Lucille Clifton, the black poet extraordinaire, several time nominee of the Pulitzer Prize, for the Pulitzer Prize finalist, said, I think we're beginning to remember that poems didn't start with writing. I think we're beginning to remember that the poem was born when someone walked out of a cave or onto the savannah and looked up at the sky and said, That was the first poem. I wonder which ah she imagined. Ah, like awe or ah, like fear? Ah, like I don't know. We human beings do this all the time. There are things, experiences so large that the only way we can describe them is in tiny, tiny words. One of them is love. We do that with love. We do that with God. Ah is another one of them. This month, we're journeying into a theme called Stop in the Name of Love. I mean, come on. There was a, a live... Thank you. I was expecting everybody to sing the rest of the song to me. Okay, okay, okay. Stop in the name of love. Yes, yes, come on, yes. Don't you ever live another day thinking you have to wait for permission to sing the end of a Motown song. Come on. Stop in the name of love. Before we head into the next church year, a moment to pause. Before we head into the next day or the next moments, let's set aside this time to hold each other, to keep each other in silence and song and shared laughter, to hold our tears together in the space between movements. This is how music is born, and this is how community works. 
Let us journey now into a month, into a week, into an hour together of taking care of ourselves and one another. We can do that starting with a breathing exercise. We're going to breathe three times together, and I invite you to find a space with your body. Let your body also talk where you can take three deep breaths without haste. And let's breathe together. We are going Heaven knows where we are going, but we know within, and we will get there. Heaven knows how we will get there, but we know we will. It will be hard. It will be hard, we know, and the road, and the road, will be muddy and rough, but we'll get there. Sing with me. Heaven knows how we will get there, but we know. Woyaya, We lead worship as a community, and I hope every single one of you will introduce each and every one of yourselves to each and every one of each other as soon as possible. I'd like to also say, I'm Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout. Uh, joining me in leading this worship service um, will be your voices, every single one of them. Uh, the Visual Arts Committee is here. They come in, ter in terms of flower arrangements. The flowers are good for our eyes and our meditation. Don't think of them as decoration. See them as part of the spiritual landscape. Reverend Jen Crow and Reverend Arif Mamdani, fresh <laughs> and feeling fine. I'm sitting slightly closer to them just so it can rub off. You know, some of the vacation can rub off. And, uh, mm, 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 mm. Franco Holder is, uh, is our pianist. You will look up at the screens and you'll think, wow, that's going so well. Wow, I can see the lyrics. But what's going on behind you are two people who dearly care after you, during this service, before and after. They are John and Olu. There are ushers and greeters and, 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 that make the village that is our worship. May we be so grateful for the abundance of help in making this day great. So may it be. We're gathered for worship. So 
I have a story for us this morning. The story is by Cleo Wade, and it is titled, What the Road Said. Have you ever wanted to go in a different direction? Have you ever wondered if there was something more, something out there, something just different? I did too. Then one day I was walking my usual way home when out of nowhere, for no reason at all, almost as if it were magic, a road appeared. I could not believe my eyes, so I walked over to it, and I said to the road, where do you lead? The road, the road said, be a leader and find out. How do I start? I asked. The road smiled and said, you have already started. Well, what happens when I get there? We have just begun, said the road. Do not skip straight to the ending. Enjoy the beginning and the middle, too. Which way do I go? That is your choice to make, said the road. But what if I go the wrong way, I asked. The road curved a little, almost as if it were giving me a hug, and said, do not worry. Sometimes we go the wrong way on our way to the right way. What if I get scared? That is okay. You are brave, said the road. But what does it mean to be brave, I asked. The road guided me through a very gloomy forest. Even though I was frightened, I trusted the road. And as I took one step and then another and another after that, the road gently whispered, being brave is when you are afraid of doing something, but you do it anyway. Do not let what scares you keep you from continuing on your path. Will I always move forward, I asked. Not always, said the road. Why not? Because sometimes you will stumble backward and sometimes you will stand still. What if I fall, I wondered. Everyone falls at some point, said the road. But I will always be there when you land. What if I get lost? There may be some days that feel long and dark, said the road. But I promise that no matter what, I will give you the evening stars and morning sun to light your way. What if I grow weary or get hurt? 
I will give you trees of all shapes and sizes to shelter you when you need to rest and heal, said the road. What if I get lonely, I asked. You are never alone, said the road. What if I change? Come with me, said the road. And as I moved forward, the road introduced me to a caterpillar and a family of seeds. We did not stay long. The road began taking me on a journey through the seasons. I watched summer turn to fall, and fall turn to winter, and as spring was upon us, I realized we had gone in one big, beautiful circle. I looked down and found I was standing in front of the caterpillar and the seeds once more. Only the caterpillar was no longer a caterpillar, and the seeds had turned to flowers of every color swaying in the sun. The road then raised me up and said, all things grow and change. That is the magic of being alive. You too will find your wings. You too will bloom. No living thing is meant to stay the same. What if I need help on my journey? Ask your fellow travelers along the way. What if they are mean to me? Lead them to kindness, said the road. How? By being kind, said the road. What if they want to fight? Lead them to peace, said the road. But how do I lead them to peace? By listening to their stories, telling them yours, and reminding them that you are all on this journey together. What if the world around us is filled with hate? Lead it to love. How? By sharing the power of your love with it, said the road. What if something unexpected happens? Keep going, said the road. What if there are mountains that feel too tall to climb? What if there are rivers that feel too wide to cross? What if I get my heart broken? What if I feel stuck? What if giving up is easier? Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, said the road. What if I can't do it? You can, said the road. How do you know? Because you have already come this far said the road. I said to the road, where do you lead? The road said, be a leader and find out. Would you rise? 
It's good for your voice, good for the body, good for the soul to rise and sing together. The hymn is Blue Boat Home. Away we go. Though below me I feel no motion Standing on these mountains and plains Far away from the rolling ocean Still my dry land heart can say I've been sailing all my life now Never harbor or port have I known The wide universe is the ocean I travel and the earth is my blue boat. On my sail and moon, my rudder, as I fly the starry sea. As we move into a time of prayer, I invite you to close your eyes to let your gaze be soft if that's comfortable for you. To, to feel if it is present for you. The feeling of singing together. To feel what it feels like in your body to exist in space, here in the sanctuary, online, in Zoom, to feel the resonance that comes from singing, 
the fainter resonance that comes with breathing or with hearing, the awareness that we live in bodies, that we live in time and space, and that wherever we are, whenever we are, that we are held in our breathing, that each breath can open us more and more to prayer, that here in this space, we can offer our pain and our praise in community, that we do not have to hold it alone, that love will carry it with us as we speak it aloud or hold it quietly on our hearts together. Let us pray now with words spoken into this space or in silence. We are with you. We are holding you. We are beside you. And congregation, I lift a prayer of gratitude this morning. Prayer that we are learning how to pray together that we are learning to let our hearts crack open, that we might be witnessed, that we might hold each other, that love might expand. We hold each other's prayers in love. We hold each other's prayers with sacredness as we sing.
Our reading this morning comes from the native poet, Joy Harjo, and the poem is titled, The Path to the Milky Way Leads Through Los Angeles. There are strangers above me, below me, and all around me, and we are all strange in this place of recent inventions. This city named for angels appears naked and stripped of anything resembling the shaking of turtle shells, the songs of human voices on a summer night outside Okmulji. Yet it's perpetually summer here and beautiful. The shimmer of gods is easier to perceive at sunrise or dusk. When those who remember us here in the illusion of the marketplace turn toward the changing of the sun and say our names. We matter to somebody. We must matter to the strange God who imagines us as we revolve together in the dark sky on the path of the Milky Way. We can't easily see that starry road from the perspective of the crossing of boulevards can't hear it in the wine of civilization or taste the minerals of planets in hamburgers. But we can buy a map of the stars' homes, dial a tone for dangerous love, choose from several brands of water, or a hiss of oxygen for gentle rejuvenation. Everyone knows you can't buy love, but you can still sell your soul for less than a song to a stranger who will sell it to someone else for a profit until you're owned by a company of strangers in the city of the strange and getting stranger. I'd rather understand how to sing from a crow who was never good at singing or much of anything but finding gold in the trash of humans. So what are we doing here? I ask the crow, parading on the ledge of falling that hangs over this precarious city. Crow just laughs and says, wait, wait and see. And I am waiting and not seeing anything, not just yet. But like crow, I collect the shine of anything beautiful I can find. Let the essence care. 
Every Friday afternoon for the last three plus years, I have been doing the same thing each and every week. Friday afternoons, I get together with a small group of friends and mentors, and we share care and support and advice and a whole lot of laughter together. This is something we've been doing since the very beginning of COVID, and we've decided to just keep it because it helps. Now, this is a group that is five of us in total, we zoom in Jan Eller Isaacs, my beloved mentor and friend, retired minister, Minister Emerita of Unity Church Unitarian. We have Meg Riley, our Minister Emerita of the Church of the Larger Fellowship and co-moderator of the UUA. Kate Tucker, Minister Emerita of this congregation. Laura Smidzik, who interned here and is minister out in Fridley. The five of us have been meeting weekly since COVID began, as I said, and I look forward to this time in my week every single Friday. Now, of all of us in this small group, Jan has been having a particularly rough go of it for a while now. After retiring from this 21-year ministry with her husband, Rob, and making their way across the country to live in Portland, Oregon, to be closer to their kids, first Rob and then Jan were diagnosed with terminal cancer. Rob died last summer after a short illness, and Jan was caring for him and grieving, and then she got sicker herself. Treatments and side effects and the progression of her own cancer have been very hard on her, and yet somehow, some way, she is still here and very much herself. Over the last two years in particular, I've watched as she first let go of her role in a congregation that she had served for so long a role that she loved and she was loved back in. She retired and her identity and sense of purpose in the world shifted dramatically. Then I watched as she moved across the country and reoriented in a new city without that familiar role and community there to ground her. I watched her care for Rob and lose her partner and then adjust from wife to widow. I've borne witness to her cancer journey as her body has changed and weakened as pain and new realities of loss keep coming for her. Mortality is a close companion and so is grief. And somehow in the midst of all of it, gratitude is also a close companion. We were talking last week about the anniversary of Rob's death and how it felt to move through that, what that grief was like. We talked about the illness she was experiencing as a result of the side effects from the current treatment she's, she's going through. And she just kept coming back to the same two phrases over and over, and it stunned the rest of us into silence. She kept saying, I feel so loved. I feel so loved right now and so full of gratitude. Gratitude is everywhere. We just listened, bearing witness to what felt like an incredibly sacred moment. And then Kate piped up and reminded us of a poem we all know and love that was one of Rob's favorites too. It's a very short one, Late Fragment by Raymond Carver. In this 
deathbed poem of his own, he asks, and did you get what you wanted from this life? Even so, I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth. We knew that even though we hadn't asked those big questions, Jan was answering them anyway. I feel so loved. I feel so full of gratitude. What else could you want? What else could you want than to know yourself beloved, to feel yourself beloved on this earth? What is there else to want for ourselves, for everyone on this earth, for every being, every life form, everything on this earth? To know ourselves beloved, to call ourselves beloved. Every week when we sit together, we start with what seem like really small questions. How was your week? What happened? How are you feeling? What are you noticing? And somehow we weave our way with the very simple particulars. We weave our way backing into those big questions, listening to each other. There we are, going from the particularity and the immediacy of our lives out to those big, big questions. The poets remind us of this too. Just like we heard this morning already from the poet Joy Harjo, somehow the path to the Milky Way leads through the very particular of the gritty city of Los Angeles. There in that city of buildings and boulevards that is teeming with people, that place that can feel so far from the open spaces, from community and care, there on the busy streets, it is always summer. And still, somehow, when the light changes and the sun rises or the dusk comes, the shimmer of the gods comes through, and you can't help but pay attention, even there. When those who remember us, wherever we are, when they name us and know us, we remember that we matter to someone that all of us matter to someone, that all of us matter perhaps to that strange God who is imagining us, revolving on this planet on our way as part of the path to the Milky Way. It can be hard to remember, hard to feel that connection, that value that we each have when we are so far from the taste of the minerals of the earth, when our names and our work and our worth are bought and sold in the soul-stealing marketplace, the profit prioritizing machinery of money first. It can be hard to remember when the illusion of distraction and the endless tricks of escape call us in that city of the strange and getting stranger. But somehow, even in all of this, the crow calls out for us in harsh and awkward songs. Even and especially here, that answer to the big question the poet names, what are we doing here? is answered in the small and specific. Looking for gold in the garbage, finding our way, collecting what is beautiful right here and now. There are so many big questions before us. 
So many big questions that come up all the time. What are we doing here, for starters? Will our planet survive, and how, and can we turn all of this around? Can we stop the hurt that keeps on happening and build something new, or even just get out of the way? Do we have a soul? Is there a God? Can people actually change? How do I show up for both myself and others? What happens when you die? Why do I care? What am I supposed to do with any of this? Where is love calling me next? What is my work, my joy, my part to play in this beautiful and broken world? What do you want out of this life? And did you get it even so? These questions can feel overwhelming at times. And they are the questions we ask and answer here at church. It's part of why we gather in big groups like this on Sunday morning, in small groups, in solitude, in silence, in spiritual practice. We come to these spaces to remember what matters most, to remember that we matter to each other, that we matter even perhaps to that strange God that we are part of this path along the way to the Milky Way. We arrive here to know each other and to be known, to notice the beauty and the stunning sunrises and sunsets and the gold in the garbage. We come to ask these big questions and answer sometimes in long and lofty answers and big poetry and sometimes in the very small and particular. There are so many decisions we are called to make every day, big ones and small ones, big questions taking shape. And I am such a believer that what we end up needing to do most is find our way back to the very particular, the very specific. And from that, we find our way to our answers. Kind of like we did that Friday just a week ago with my dear friend. What's happening in your life? What are you noticing? What's moving for you? Somehow those very specific personal questions got us all the way back to, and did you get what you wanted out of this life? Even so. To hear love and gratitude. To hear her say, like the poet, what I wanted, I am getting, to feel myself beloved, to know myself beloved on this earth. In that moment, like I said, I couldn't help but think, isn't that what we want? For ourselves, for each other, for each and every living thing on this planet. To know ourselves beloved, to feel ourselves beloved. So what if we used that as a guide? I've been practicing with it all week. What would it be like in this moment? What would it take in this very particular moment to know myself beloved, to share that feeling of beloved with another person or being with this earth? How do we get from here to there? What does this moment call out from us? I put my faith in something that simple and small. We've often shared the question here, where is love calling us next? And I've started pairing that question up with something else. What would a loving response be? What would a loving presence be like, feel like, in this exact moment? What would a loving presence feel like? I keep practicing with this. 
Sometimes it's quite difficult for me, especially when I'm trying to apply it to myself. When I find fear or anxiety rising up with inside of me, love isn't the first response I feel toward myself. I think, how do I gut it out? How do I push through whatever this thing is in front of me? Instead of, what would a loving response be? When my kids are doing something mm, irritating, out of line, loud, what is a loving response isn't often the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> I've started teaching my 16-year-old son how to drive. So when it's like 9 o'clock at night and he's saying, I really need those nighttime hours, can we go out now? Maybe practice on the freeway. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what a loving response would be in that moment. <laughs> And then there are the even more serious ones. This week, with the killing of Ricky Cobb II, I was asked, along with many other clergy, to go to George Floyd Square yesterday to hold space for community healing, to hold space for the family, to be there and be present. And I asked myself, what would a loving response be to that question? to show up for a family who had just lost a son and a brother, a, a friend, to just show up. The loving response was clearly yes. So we gathered yesterday. It was a relatively small group, given what I've experienced there at George Floyd Square at other moments, but it was powerful. There at the corner of the makeshift stage was George Floyd's aunt. She had shown up specifically to support Ricky Cobb II's family. A community member had brought another family there as well. They had brought the mother and father and siblings and friends of Christian Rivera Coba, a 22-year-old Latinx man who had died in custody in the Anoka County Jail in July his family still having no explanations or answers of what happened and why. We chanted his name, Christian Rivera Coba, and I watched as his mother held up her sign asking for information, just wanting to know what happened to her son, and as she cried, as we said the name of her son again and again. Children lost. Siblings lost, friends lost. Surely love asks us to say these names, to remember them. Surely love asks us to show up, not only for ourselves, but for each other. The speakers there yesterday were asking us to remember that unity is how we drive out the demons of racism and white supremacy. They're how we drive out all the demons, actually. Unity, by coming together, by drumming out the pain and the harm of these systems that oppress and hurt us all, by saying no to the character assassination and the justification that happens after each one of these killings, to say instead, I stand with you, mother, father, sibling, friend. I hold this grief with you. This should not have happened. I'm sorry. 
And the speakers, they asked for more than that too. There was the holding of space, the holding of grief and mourning. But one of the pastors said something else too when they were speaking. Where is the church? She asked, where are you all? Where are we? Why are we not here sharing in suffering and grief? That is what we've always been called to do, to love one another. What is it going to take to wake us up, to shake us up, so that we say no more, so that we use our voices and the power we have been given to stop this madness in the name of love? What will it take, they asked. What would a loving response be like in this moment? Where is love calling us next? In this very particular moment, in this city, in each of our lives? What would a loving response be? What does love look like in the particular right now? These are the big, big questions, but they're actually quite small and simple. What is the next most loving thing I can do? This is the question I'm using to guide myself. Today, I'm gonna to keep on trying it throughout this year. What is the most loving thing we can do next? In this particular moment, in whatever situation we find ourselves, here in this faith, that is grounded in love? The answer is clear. I hope we will continue to wrestle together. One of the ways we live out our commitment to this love is in the ways that we care for each other here at church and in our larger community. We are in a constant rhythm together of giving and receiving and growing. We share together of our resources so that others will have what they need. We ask for and receive care here when that is what we need too. This morning we'll be taking an offering, a sharing of our financial resources, and this will go directly to our minister's emergency fund here at church. This is a fund that we use to support folks within the community at large and also within this church community. The funds go out for things like rent and food and prescriptions, for car repairs, for all kinds of things that come up for each of us at different times in our lives. We have given out, I would say, more money than I have ever experienced over the last three years because the need has been that great and because the generosity has been that big too. This week we we're able to support another family with something that they needed, and we realized our fund is down to only $500. Not enough to cover a request for rent, for a car repair, for help and support. So it's time to refill that fund as generously as we are able so that we can be here for each other, whatever life brings our way. What is love asking us for? You can give this morning in many different ways. The ushers will come forward in just a second. There are also ways to give online that we'll see. We hope that we can support each other with deep care. Will the ushers please come forward?
Wake now my senses and hear the earth call is the hymn that greets us next. Rise with me and let's sing. you're here with us in person today, I invite you to join us for coffee hour after the service downstairs to connect with each other. If you're new or wanting to learn more about this congregation, please join us for a place to start led by Christina. Just come right on up here after the service. It's an informal time to gather and learn more. And for all of us, what would it be if we knew ourselves beloved? if we felt ourselves beloved on this earth? And what would it be if we shared that love with each and every other? May it be so, amen.
Thanks for listening. If you've been comforted or inspired by this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org slash donate to make your gift. We'd love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Thank you.